Iraqi PM hails big victory in Mosul. Haider al-Abadi spoke during a news conference in Baghdad, less than a week after he declared an end to ISIS's self-styled caliphate after Iraqi forces took back the landmark al-Nari Mosque in the old city. Praise be to God, we managed to liberate, Mosul, and proved the others were wrong, the people of Mosul supported and stood with our security forces against terrorism, al-Abadi said on Tuesday. His remarks came on the third anniversary of his leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi's sermon at the al-Nari Mosque, from where he declared an Islamic caliphate on his held lands in Syria and Iraq. Lieutenant General Abdul Ghani al-Asadi, of Iraq's special forces, said earlier in the day that Iraqi forces were just 250 meters from the Tigris River, in the western half of Mosul. The Tigris divides the city into its western and eastern half which was liberated from his militants in January. His militants who remained trapped in just a few hundred meters of territory in the old city were in a fight to the death, Al-Asadi said. Long wait to identify London fire victims. At least 80 people died or are presumed missing after the block of flats caught fire early on June 14. The private meeting took place on Tuesday at the Olympia London in West Kensington, just over a mile from the Grenfell Tower with Westminster Coroner Dr. Fiona Wilcox and Metropolitan Police Commander Stuart Cundy in attendance. Lotifa Begum, a coordinator for the charity Muslim Aid, said the families had been told that the recovery phase, where the authorities identify bodies, could take until the end of the year. She said some of the families inside the meeting were very upset and angry, and a few had been overwhelmed and had to leave. The family of Jessica Urbano, who lived on the 20th floor of the building, arrived at the meeting wearing t-shirts saying happy birthday Jessie along with a picture of the girl, on what a family member online said was her 13th birthday. Families of victims greeted each other at the entrance before going inside, some ushered in by police staff. The families were told before the meeting that they would not be allowed to put questions directly to Dr. Wilcox or Commander Kundi, and had to email their questions in by 11 a.m. the day before. The Press Association understands that some family members were not happy with how the meeting was organized. Canada to Compensate Ex-Gitmo Inmate A Canadian citizen, Carter was captured in Afghanistan in 2002 at age 15 after a firefight with U.S. soldiers. He pleaded guilty to killing a U.S. Army medic and became the youngest inmate held at the military prison in Cuba. Carter later recanted and his lawyers said he had been grossly mistreated. In 2010, the Canadian Supreme Court ruled that Canada breached his rights by sending intelligence agents to interrogate him and sharing the results with the United States. The case proved divisive, defenders called Gardner a child soldier while the then-conservative government dismissed calls to seek leniency, noting he had pleaded guilty to a serious crime. Meet Canada's newest multimillionaire, Omar Khadr, said the Conservatives as they unveiled a protest petition. Tony Clement the Conservative Party's public safety spokesman, said it is one thing to acknowledge alleged mistreatment, but it is wrong to lavishly reward a convicted terrorist who murdered an allied soldier who had a wife and two children. Carter spent a decade in Guantanamo before being returned to Canada in 2012 to serve the rest of his sentence. He was released on bail in 2015 and lives in Edmonton, Alberta. The Canadian government and Carter's lawyers agreed on a compensation deal said the sources, who asked to remain anonymous given the sensitivity. 
Canada has reached a series of expensive settlements with citizens imprisoned abroad who alleged Ottawa was complicit in their mistreatment. Carter, 30, had sued Ottawa for 20 million Canadian dollars on grounds of violating his human rights. News of the settlement was broken by the Globe and Mail newspaper. A spokesman for Public Safety Minister Ralph Goodale declined to comment. Carter was taken to Afghanistan by his father, an Al-Qaeda member, who apprenticed the boy to a group of bomb makers. The father died in a battle with Pakistani forces in 2003. French PM urges end to spending addiction. New President Emmanuel Macron regards taming spending and reducing its budget deficit as key to winning the trust of European Union partner Germany and persuading Berlin to embark on reforms to shore up the bloc. The French are hooked on public spending. Like all addictions it doesn't solve any of the problems it is meant to ease. And like all addictions it requires willpower and courage to detox, Philippe told the National Assembly to applause on Tuesday. Philip said that for every 100 euros Germany raised in taxes it spent 98 euros, while France spent 125 euros for every 117 euros levied in taxes. He really believes this situation is sustainable. The government and its program comfortably won a vote of confidence. The lower house, dominated by Macron's Republic on the Move party, voted 370 in favor of the government with only 67 voting against, mostly far-left and far-right lawmakers. Some 129 people abstained, with a large number of conservatives from the Republicans' party not opposing the government. Philip's talk of austerity comes just as other major economies such as Germany, the United States and even Britain are signaling an easing of fiscal policy to underpin growth. But last week France's independent auditor revealed a more than 8 billion euro funding shortfall in this year's budget, forecasting a deficit once again above the EU cap of 3% of national income. Philippe, a relatively unknown conservative before he was picked by Macron, said his objective was still to haul the deficit below the EU's cap this year and he would target cuts in spending by 3% of national income over five years. Jean-Luc Mélenchon head of the far-left party France unbowed, and far-right National Front leader Marine Le Pen accused Philippe of ignoring the anger of voters with measures they said would hurt their spending power. Philippe acknowledged that a record high abstention rate in June's parliamentary election meant his government would have to tread carefully with its social and economic reform agenda, but that France could not ignore its problems. On Europe. Philip stressed Macron's stance that any talks with Britain over its future relationship with the EU would only come after orderly negotiations over its exit from the bloc. Conducting orderly negotiations over the United Kingdom's exit will be a prerequisite for the future relationships framework, Philippe said. Gold up as investors buy safe haven assets. North Korea said it successfully test-launched an intercontinental ballistic missile. Days before leaders from the group of 20 nations are due to discuss steps to rein in Pyongyang's weapons programs. Gold is typically seen as a store of value and therefore a safe haven investment in times of economic and political uncertainty, when investors tend to sell riskier assets such as stocks. World shares, oil and bond yields pulled back on Tuesday as North Korea's long-range missile test and July 4 holidays for U.S. markets curbed investor appetite for risk. Spot gold was up 0.3% at $1,223.37 an ounce, while U.S. gold futures climbed 0.3% to $1,222.60 an ounce.
the market is turning to gold over the conflict in North Korea, Danske Bank senior analyst Jens Pedersen said. But the market isn't pricing in a further deterioration in relations because this conflict has been going on for a while. Gold fell 1.7% on Monday, the most in one day since November and reaching its lowest point since May. Hedge funds and other money managers reduced their net long positions in COMEX gold and silver for a third straight week in the week to June 27, U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission. Data showed. The prevailing threat of geopolitical tensions is likely to cause a knee-jerk reaction to safe haven assets with bullion up over 8% for the year, Sutton Financial said in its quarterly report. Accordingly we anticipate impulsive demand for bullion to persist. Silver slipped 0.1% to $106.06 an ounce, after touching its lowest since May 9 at $16.01. More investors are coming aboard at the current relatively low entry level for silver and physical demand has been robust both in Singapore and in Hong Kong, said Joshua Rothbart, managing partner, J. Rothbart and Amp, co in Hong Kong. Platinum rose 1% to $911 an ounce, having fallen on Monday to below $900 for the first time since May 10. Two pedestrians run down in Melbourne. A woman was struck by a motorbike in Latrobe Street just before 7.30 a.m. and was taken to hospital in a stable condition with minor injuries, an ambulance Victoria spokeswoman said. A few minutes later, a second woman was hit by a car in Collins Street, and she suffered minor injuries and was taken to hospital in a stable condition. Sydney Motorway Extension to Cost $18B the hefty price tag is about $1 billion more than was set aside to build one of Australia's biggest road projects, West Connex. According to confidential cabinet documents released to the media on Wednesday, the construction cost of the 32-kilometre road has been estimated at $14.5 billion. Operation and maintenance costs of the freeway, which will connect Sydney to Wollongong, has been estimated at $3.5 billion, the document says. The revelations come after another report leaked last week showed the cost to upgrade the South Coast Rail Line, which also links the city to the Illawarra region, at $3.6 billion. The estimate, which is substantially less than the proposed F6 extension, would cut the Sydney to Wollongong journey to about one hour, the report said. A spokesman for Roads Minister Melinda Pavey says the motorway extension is still in an early development stage. No decision has yet been made regarding the final alignment or form of the proposed F6 extension, therefore it is too early to speculate on the final cost, he told UP in a statement on Wednesday. The community will continue to be kept informed at key stages of the project. The Barachiklian government allocated $15 million in June's budget for planning work on the F6. A further $20 million has already been provided to carry out geotechnical testing and other development work. Driverless cars have kangaroo issue, UK MP. Conservative MP James Cartledge said on Tuesday that the marsupials bouncing had thrown off Volvo's large animal detection systems, as he called on car manufacturers to consider all road users when designing the devices. During a Westminster Hall debate on the safety of riders and horses on rural roads, Cartledge said driverless cars would bring their own issues. I don't know if people are aware of Volvo. They have an issue with kangaroos. The South Suffolk MP said Volvo recently reported their driverless cars had initially been tested to detect and avoid moose in Sweden but had struggled with kangaroos. 
I think it's because they bounce, rather than approach steadily, I don't know, I'm not an expert. Cartledge said he hoped the UK would lead the world in the development of driverless cars but large animal detection systems on such vehicles should be able to handle any user met on the road. Weed killer could make cane toads deadlier? New research carried out in Hungary has found that when toad tadpoles come into contact with the widely used weed killer glyphogen their bodies produce more of the toxic chemicals they use to ward off predators. The scientists behind the research say their findings, published by the Royal Society on Wednesday, suggest that cane toads in Australia could become more toxic given they come into contact with various pollutants and pesticides because they live in such a wide variety of habitats.